0: Hey, welcome to the podcast, man. <laughs>
1: Barnes, great to be here. This is awesome in person. In person, yeah, I yeah. Love that. Which is, cool. yeah. Well, you just like drove around the uh, the sound instead of taking the ferry. Yeah, ferry's always nice, but when you do the math, it just it made sense to yeah. drive, you know. So JD Leonard, uh, Long Island. Why don't you tell everybody listening a little bit about
0: you, your you know your team, your location, and then uh, we'll get into some stuff.
1: Yeah. Okay. So. I currently run a team of about, you know, it's in flux people coming on, um, but let's just say about 10 people on mm-hmm. uh, Long Island. Um, second generation, my father got in the business 1985 and, you know, took to it. But when he got into the business, it was more, the, the mindset was more, I'm a realtor, not a not an entrepreneur, not a business person. And so um, as I came up in the business and finally joined full time about 11 years ago at this point, you know, I. I saw it a different way. I saw that um, it could be, you know, there could be this space for a team structure. And back then teams were still exotic, right? And that's become part of our le- real estate lexicon now. But, um, so you, when did, uh, when did your dad start it? 1985. 85. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was in like second grade.
0: That's an early team. That's, yeah. Well, back then, does he say he invented teams in Long Island? No. Does he claim that?
1: No, he doesn't. But I mean, look, he started by himself and then it was just the natural progression of, it was a family team, right? Yeah. Like my, he drew, he dragged my mother into it and eventually me. And then we reached a point where it's like, if we wanted to reach our full potential, we couldn't do it with all the people on Long Island with the last name Lenard. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't going to work. So, um, you know, it it was an adjustment period, especially for him. But, uh, you know, as, as he's like taking a step back, he's, he's really seen the value and seeing where we're going. It's really exciting to be honest. Yeah. And nobody
0: knows this probably listening, maybe a few people, but we're in the same mastermind. Yeah. Thank yeah. you guys for letting me in the mastermind. <laughs> I was, uh, very grateful for, for that invite. Maybe. A year and a half, I don't know, a year and a half ago, something like that. But
1: Has it only been a year and a half? It feels I like don't it's know. been like
0: 10 years already. I mean, <laughs> well, since I've been, I don't know how long it has been. No, I mean, with you, yeah, like
1: I don't remember a time when you weren't in it.
0: I mean, there's nine of us and just total, all you guys are total rock stars. I've learned so much. What do you What do you get out of being in a mastermind? I know so, so many people try to start mastermind, they fall through. And
1: w- what are you getting out of our mastermind? Oh uh, my gosh, where do you even start? you know, like you, like you said, right. It's so many people start and they fail. So yeah. you got to be in it for the right reasons. You got to be willing to commit to being accountable. That's part of it. And, and look, we also have coaches cause we're all also clients of Tom Ferry's, uh, coaching, but then the, you get to a point after that where you, you need almost like real time R and D, um, and you need to know what's working. What's our R and D for people that don't know. Well, actually, I mean in the traditional sense. You mean, you mean okay, so I, I the, actually the sense mean, that people would know. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, in, in the sense that people would know. But we also, we also talk about r- rip off and duplicate. And okay. we do that with each other as well. Correct. But, um, but, but we, it's an open sharing format where it's not ripping off because it's like, you know,
0: JD, you asked me for something or I asked you for something, it's like, hey man, I'm gonna share that with you. I'll, j- I'll share the Google doc or whatever.
1: I'll, I'll just send it over to you. Yeah, we're conceiving things together. And, and your success is my success and that's that's actually a notion that we have on our team but it actually extends to the mastermind as well when 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 tom tool for example has a success and he sends a text message like hey man like you were right and this is awesome it's just like hey we're helping each other grow
0: hopefully our text thread never gets released out into the internet you know there's always that fear with people right like oh my gosh all my texts are going to like end up on the internet someday uh-huh. i feel like our mastermind that'd be one of those things we don't we don't want that being just well, Released not, not without, a atmosphere. not without a book deal. Yeah. Right. We got <laughs> Ness is out there. We got to get the mastermind going on the book. Mm,
1: yeah. But you know, we, we, we talked about this, right? Yeah. So you're diving into something that, you know, kind of was on like why masterminds and all that we're talking about right now, but Man, the world has really changed and I don't even know where it's going. I'm mm. not even sure now is the right time to write a book because whatever we thought it was going to be by the time everything shakes out with COVID and all that stuff, it's going to be it's it's going to be a different world. It's
0: probably a good thing we didn't get halfway through it because yeah. you're right, we would have gone all the way back to the beginning and rewrote the
1: thing. Yes. But in saying that, I'm also grateful to have the mastermind because oh, no we, we're finding our way through yeah. faster, stronger, better. I mean, we're coming out stronger. I, I mean, what, that just, that just, like, what
0: advice would you give to somebody? I got lucky. Like I started creating relationships in the Tom Ferry ecosystem and, and I met enough of you guys where you guys said, Hey, it makes sense. I think you guys were at seven at that point, And then we brought, brought Lisa on as well, but mm-hmm. where it made sense where you guys extended the invite What advice would you give to somebody who's looking for that tribe, that ecosystem that is, that is large, but small enough where they can all gain value from each other?
1: So uh, one of the things that I've observed over time is like the size, (laughs) size does matter. Mm. And and what I mean by that is like, if it's too small, it's just a couple of friends talking. Hey, Hey, there's, there's, I've got friends, you know, outside of the mastermind group that run, are running teams that I'm, you know, happy to have as friends and continue that relationship with. But when it comes to an actual mastermind, that's, that's uh, dedicated to a certain like mission statement. If it gets to be too big, it becomes unwieldy and uh, it can fall apart. Yeah. Um, easily. Right. Because th- there's just too much noise, especially in the text message thread. Right. Like how many times have you been busy during the day and you look at the, our East coast mastermind text message thread and you're just like, Oh my God. I well, sometimes go I now. look at my
0: little, you know, the little, uh, the dot there next to your text message—what is that called? The little banner yeah. number—and mm-hmm. I'll be like, "What? I haven't responded to two hundred text messages." And then I'll like click on the East Coast Mastermind thread, yeah. and it's like, "Oh,
1: one hundred ninety of yeah, them yeah, yeah. was were there. I only have ten. I need to clean up." Right? Yeah. So, so I, actually, I th- so to get to your answer more directly, though, I think I think you actually have to strike the right balance, and mm-hmm. I, and and that's what we have, and and by balance. I said before that you have to commit, you have to be willing to commit, um, to an incredible amount of accountability. Yeah. And at to talk weekly to talk weekly. And, and when we say we're going to do something, if we don't do it in a certain period of time, you know, you start getting, you start getting pressure, right? Like, like if you say you're going to hire a sales manager, in the next six months and seven months goes by and eight months we're gonna be like, hey, what's going on? This is what you committed to. Right? Yeah, it's not talking; it's committing. Oh, it's committing. Yeah, yeah. you know. But, a- but but wait, hold on a second, because because the second part of that is um is also forgiveness, hmm. right? Um, I wasn't able to make our weekly call today. Yeah, it's okay, right? Like once in a while, it's okay. It's understandable because because there has to be you there has to be. Uh, an understanding of everybody's operating in good faith. Okay. What happens is if that if that good faith starts to break and there's doubt that that you're committed, well, then there ha- then there ought to be a conversation around that, an honest one, and say, hey, are you still committed to this? Because if not, that's cool. Right. But this is where we're going, and we hope you're you still want to come with us. Yeah,
0: and there's such a large difference. We've been doing an accountability group. We're on our third one with the team and it's their six-week groups just you know same way we did a ma- we did a, actually a mastermind retreat and, and kind of went through this whole thing uh how it works how it doesn't and so we're on our third one and there's such a big difference we're learning as a team together between goals and commitments hmm. right like saying oh i'd like to do this or this is a goal is one thing right like uh a, a, whatever it's a, a production goal or you know, a weight goal for your fitness or whatever. And then it's like, no, I'm committed Mm. to doing this. And that's what we do really well in the mastermind Yeah, is we hold each other to, I'm going to do this. It's not a like to do, not a goal. Like goals are actually, I'm finding more and more now that I think about it, goals are pretty weak. Like what are your commitments? Your goals are are just things you theoretically want. They're kind of weak, right? In a sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, in a way, I mean, I'm not ready to leave goals behind altogether. Uh, but but, if uh, but I, I get, get your commitments. to yes, start to happen. Yes, yes. If you're held accountable to well, them, the goal is the goal is. You know, I like to think in of things in terms of of like climbing that mountain, right? That that um, metaphorical mountain, mm-hmm. and you see the top, and that's your goal. But to get there, I mean, you need a pretty significant level of commitment to continue. Like, like I was talking about earlier today on on the, on the show we were um, shooting here. And, um, and I was talking about how, like, you know, you have your goal that you start going towards and at some point in that journey up the mountain, you, you know, like the, the the uh, the top can become obscured in 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 clouds, and you look down, you can't see from where you started before, and you're just like you can feel lost. But the commitment pushes you forward to continue, even if you f- can't see that to- that mountaintop anymore, because you know it's there. Yeah. So I, I I think in my opinion, it's maybe a blend of the two. Talking about mountaintops, mm-hmm. my opinion, Zillow is sitting at the top
0: <laughs> of the mountain. Yes in the real estate industry. Yeah. I feel like the war has been won. Hmm. And this is my, right? Okay, my go thought. ahead. Go I feel ahead. like the war has been won. Zillow, it their brand is too big at this point. And just like a consumer that has a used car that wants to sell it when they want to know how much their car is worth, they're not calling their local mechanic. Mm-hmm. They're going right to Kelly Blue Book instantly. They're figuring out the value and they're going. they're going from there. But that's first step and when I mean that the war has been won by Zillow first step for a consumer, when they start having thoughts of anything, even if they have an agent in mind mm-hmm. that they're going to call regardless, mm-hmm. they're doing initial research to some degree on Zillow. Yes. hundred percent. Are they on the top of the mountain to stay? Okay. Good question. And you're agent advisory board. So I yeah. know there's things you can say, can't say, but I do want to make that yeah, clear. So, JD's I mean, <laughs> Zillow agent advisory board. He's, He's very deep into the Zillow world, yes, which yes. I think his opinion brings a lot of value for what he can say on this podcast. Yeah, but I mean, I, look, it's a new. Nua- this is an overall brand conversation. So sure, sure, sure.
1: But like, it's it's a nuanced, it's a nuanced view, and and where I'm coming from, like you know, question mark? Are they? And that just comes from, um, you know, any business, even your business, my business. I never want to think that I'm actually on the mountaintop because mm-hmm. what I also express in my in my fundamental ideas of business is that whenever you get to a mountaintop, there's always the next mountain that's even bigger that you would got to start climbing. And as soon as you think you're on the highest mountain, it's a dangerous place to be because yeah. somebody else is going to come behind you and, and outclimb you or whatever, you know, to extend that that um, analogy. And so I know the people at Zillow all the way up at the top are extremely smart people and they're never going to rest on their laurels and they're going to be looking for who, what the next competition could be. So that's where that's coming from. But yeah, I mean, I can't argue that Zillow is, is a brand name that is, you know, it's in every household in America pretty much like, yeah, they won for now. For now, for now.
0: What do you now you're looking like, let's just go to your team, right? You guys are on Zillow, but you're not on flex. Right. Correct, yeah. It just hasn't what, come to Long Island. Do you Island. know what percent of uh the country right now is on Flex and not on Flex? Actually that's
1: that that's it's not that clear to me. It's not I I know I know a lot of a lot of the people I know that I'm you know I'm friendly with and just know I'm from the agent advisory board are on it. It just hasn't come to Long Island yet, so any sense of how
0: profitable Flex is versus the you know, the zip code, the buying zip codes which has been the old model
1: i don't know if i can say (laughs) no i i think it's i think it's going all right for them from what i've been hearing and this is i you know this is this is public information i think but you know certain cities where they have uh they started kind of early um you know that it looks promising Mm
0: um
1: yeah
0: i mean i to me when i look at our numbers and what we're we're on flex okay right and so the amount of money we're sending over on flex which i love by the way because we didn't we weren't heavy buying zip codes we just weren't we weren't buying zip codes before so for us to be on flex was was fantastic for us i think
1: that was remarkable that that they came to you even though you weren't like a huge buyer but yeah Yeah.
0: and and so it's worked out really well for us it's been a great relationship And, and but i do look at the number the numbers of uh, you know, referral fees basically. If you're on flex or if you're unfamiliar with flex, flexes you don't pay up front for these leads, you pay when the transactions get closed, which is why they want to work with top performing teams in each market because <laughs> they want these deals to close. They want conversions so that they get paid on these deals, right? And I'm like, wow, when they which is why I've been screaming, and Sam knows uh on all the real words and everything, I've been screaming forever to agents, buy Zillow stock. Like you know, hedge your business with Zillow stock, buy Zillow stock because when, when they go a hundred percent across the country, I feel like this is going to be extremely lucrative for Zillow when they're getting a piece of that Mm -hmm. many transactions potentially.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, they are increasing their revenue um, exponentially. Yes. What do you think about, So,
0: okay, they've they've found a great way to become whatever you want to call it. I use the Kelly Blue Book analogy, uh, the resource, the the MLS for the consumer. They've they've made that pretty easy, Mm -hmm. right? What about the people Brad Inman was talking about in Inman Connect recently, uh, really taking real estate into this fully virtual experience? You you think Zillow
1: is going to be capitalizing there? Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. In what ways? I mean it just it just makes sense, right? Like that's just the next frontier. What uh, ways? Though, Rich, come has, to mind, Rich has talked it, about, you know, you know, real estate, the future of real estate and Zillow's place in it. In what ways? Yeah. <sighs> I mean I
0: don't know. Um like when you hear that, when when you hear the entire transaction is going to be virtual.
1: What's it, your what's your doubt there?
0: My doubt is that I don't believe there's going to be a large amount of transactions that happen without buyers physically getting inside of the real estate, the tangible asset of real estate and walking through it before they make the final decision. I will say, you know, since March, since the world of COVID, we've sold property sight unseen. It's happened. But it hasn't happened anywhere close to the majority of our transactions, it's not one of four; it's closer to five percent of the transactions. Right. Still, even through a health crisis, people wanted biggest purchase of their life. They wanted to
1: walk through the home at least once, even if it was quick. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. So maybe it won't be a hundred percent virtual. But imagine, like you're 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 a buyer and you're already well into the process by the time you've even looked. I mean, you know, maybe it happens during the engineering inspection. Mm-hmm. You show up with that engineering inspector, but otherwise, pretty much everything else could be done. You know, we, what's your what's
0: your line in Rhode Island? Sorry to cut you off. Know, what's your line of under contract? Then, in, like ours is under contract. Then oh, inspections. Oh, the journey. The journey. So, like, yeah. maybe the journey
1: changes in a lot of markets because of the virtual experience. Yes. But I think, I think that it, based on what we experienced, like I sold, we sold houses on the team during the pandemic. I never set foot in as an agent. Um, the buyer never set foot in as an agent. And we got it done. Yeah. And even if it's like you know, the beginning couldn't look like that, right? The if you look at if you look at the Wright brothers, their first plane, it went like I don't know, fifty yards or something like that, right? To like flight today, and and even uh, SpaceX going to uh, the International Space Station. I mean, it's remarkable. These were the first steps, and not for nothing. But you can go on Amazon and get a fifteen dollar pair of Google Cardboard, right? These these virtual gog- goggles that you slide your iPhone into or smartphone, yep. and it becomes it becomes um, a VR experience. And it makes total sense to me that with the technology we have today, we can shoot almost perfect VR experiences that can be experienced in that way. It's not a leap to get there, to, to do. And look, when I got in the business, when I really started in earnest, um, the market, that's when the market tanked, right? 2009, 10. And that was a total buyer's market. And I remember showing buyers homes like 30, 40, 50 homes to get getting to an accepted offer because that was the nature of the market then, um, which seems crazy today. Certainly does. <laughs> but, but imagine only having to show, to, to visit that actually one house because you've already toured them and you've eliminated the process to the point where I only need to see this one house because I've already been in the other homes and they're not going to work for whatever reason. I mean, that is, that's, that's, that can happen right now. Mm -hmm. That's not even in the future. Yeah. I mean,
0: certainly right now with the market, low inventory, people are looking at less homes, but, but that's more of a, I think, a situational market,
1: but it, it, it just goes to show once again that the buyers um, will respond to the marketplace and, you know, availability, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have the luxury of going to see 2030 homes. It's just yeah. not realistic if they're going to, if they're properly motivated to buy. And they know they really only, they may have one shot at their dream home, so they better take it. Um, but still, I, I think that also with the technology is sort of priming the expectations of the public that it's possible to see one, two or three homes and make an offer. And with the technology, maybe if ever stepping foot in the house is further down the line. So to answer your question, yeah, Zillow is perfectly poised to leverage all of this, uh, the technology that we have now and the software that they're building to be able to uh, create an experience that the consumers want. You're feeling,
0: In this market with we just mentioned the low inventory a lot a lot of new interest in your long island market new york uh, you know new york city folks probably wanting to get out of the city like here on the connecticut shoreline future of the northeast market what is it
1: you know it's funny i was just talking about a friend um who uh runs a brokerage in manhattan And she's actually on the AAB, it's uh, Teresa Stevenson, Mm. she's awesome. But, um, so I was talking to her about, uh, because, you know, like we're in like two different markets. She is like seeing flight and we're seeing, you know, we're we're the beneficiaries of that. But you talk to agents on Long Island and they're just like, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, like this is, you know, our market is exploding. We're doing so many deals. And my, I think it's a cautionary tale, right? Like the, (laughs) The, uh, what do you call it? The, um, what is it? Something along the lines of the, um, what happens to New York city eventually happens to us, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm trying
0: to get to. Yeah. Without a New York city, without a thriving New York city, the best city in the world Mm -hmm. without that city being vibrant and having people in it and jobs. Yep. Is the rest of the Northeast even desirable? I mean, you know, let's face it, seven months of the year Mm -hmm. here are not that great weather-wise, right? Six at least months. Yeah, no, you're right. So without a healthy New York City, can these suburbs and rural areas outside of the city survive long-term?
1: I don't know. The answer is I don't know. Um, look, the, the economy of Long Island has is, is basically been transformed into a service economy. It is uh, teachers, police officers, FDNY, um, a lot of it. I mean, not all of it, of course, but a lot of, a lot of it is like servicing New York City and a lot of it is public uh, jobs. And if, if New York City doesn't do well, Long Island isn't going to do well. And I, I have to venture to guess it's the same for the Connecticut coast. Yeah, in the long term. In the long term. But you know, I don't want to be—I don't want to be a downer. Uh, I think—I think we, whatever to whatever your philosophy is, or whatever you know, whatever you think about COVID, if if it gets solved in the psyche of the populace, I mean, it's it's game on, Mm -hmm. and we're okay.
0: Short term, and I think a lot of it does deal with the COVID issue, right? But like short term. I don't know about you, but here in Connecticut, we just did it with the team And yesterday. We went all the way back to 2003 and we looked at the chart of uh, pending and closed sales. And so, you know, this time of year or really more traditionally spring, we're kind of living through a spring market later Mm -hmm. in the year. You know, we're way up here, closings Mm -hmm. and pendings. Mm -hmm. And then come February, we're way down here on the chart. We're at the bottom. And you can go every single year all the way back to 2003 when we get good data on the MLS. January, February are in the tank. And then spring, summer are up really high. Mm-hmm. Is that similar for for your market? Yeah, traditionally. Yeah. Traditionally. Yeah. You know, and any, and yeah. I think maybe it's this very, year.
1: It's seasonally, it's related to the seasons. It's related to, uh, you know, when the kids go back to school, when they're off, that kind of thing.
0: Sitting here in August, and none of us can predict the future, and we all, we've learned that over the last six months for sure. But sitting here in August, do you think this is a winter where we break the mold, where The interest from specifically New York City continues to flow to these suburb and rural markets, you know, Connecticut Shoreline, Long Island Sound along the sound basically Mm -hmm. uh, through the winter months where they historically have not where they've been very quiet. Or do you or do you think that as we get closer to the holidays, people are just going to bunker down wherever they are and try to ride this winter out and take it day by day because we don't know what's coming.
1: Well, I wish I had the data with me right now, um, but one thing I know, and I can, I can speak to you at least anecdotally, again, with my father being in real estate since 1985, the couple of things that we've observed is, like one, one thing that we've observed uh, cycle after cycle after cycle is when you have a presidential election, it cools things off. So this year, yeah, I, I mean, in November, especially, I, starting in November, as we, as we uh, you know get to that point, um i think things will slow down then um i think it i think a lot of this particular winter will have to do with again is COVID gonna sneak back into our lives at all or are we going to be able to keep it pretty much minimal um but our numbers have been really good here in
0: connecticut lately i mean i'm knocking on wood because now like probably f- just for people listing, our numbers have been good for co- you know when you mentioned oh covid, COVID. Yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah ours too and hopefully they stay that way um I actually don't think we're in a great market if you like, you know, from a subjective point of view, I mean like what is great, right? Am I making money? Yes. Are you making money? Yes. But is it in the long, in the, in the 30,000 foot view, subjective look, I I think it's broken right now. Um, In which way it's
0: probably record. We had a record July for pendings and closings for Connecticut. By a lot. So maybe that's unhealthy because it's just too extreme at the top. Is that where you're going with that? Is it Has it been a record month in your area? Or no, not?
1: like I said, we're, we're doing a lot of deals. And, and, and in one sense, I'm grateful, but I do get concerned. Like my father was concerned in 2006 and seven. He's like, okay, we're making doesn't tons of right. money. It doesn't feel right. Mm. Something doesn't feel right. And let me give you an example. And this is just one example, right? A homeowner in Smithtown, New York, which is on Long Island, Suffolk County, which is where I was born and raised um is in a 3 bedroom ranch. They have the they have the money for a down payment. They have the equity in their house. They want to move up to maybe North Smithtown into a, you know, 5 bedroom colonial they can afford it. If I put their house on the market today, I could have an accepted offer tonight. Okay? But where do they go because th- that colonial doesn't exist on the market. And if it does, there are already so many people making bids on that one, that likelihood I can get them like, you know, the Lenard team were awesome and we get more offers accepted, but just as like a, just as like a, a thought exercise, right? Um, that, that buyer has a hard time getting that house. And by the way, they may be competing with somebody who has nothing to sell. It's like, but I can sell my house in a day, but still the terms don't, you know, maybe don't make them as appealing as somebody else and that's really tough that's what i mean by broken it, you like in a in a more balanced market you might have you know you have um hey we want to sell and move up okay great let's get your house on the market and buy, while we are finding your house we're going to put together a buyer yeah and then and then you you've identified this house that you love but hey if you didn't get it that's okay because we have option two three or four impossible right now impossible and over time i i just uh, what i'd like to see in in this scenario where that you've laid out or asked about i think the ideal would be like maybe it does cool a little bit Mm. and more sellers decide that they want to put their house on the market and it and it and it reverts back to a more healthy market. Obviously, I don't want it to like slow down too much. We don't want a cliff. Yeah, we don't want a cliff. It, it almost to
0: to. I mean, you're you brought up oh six and seven when you mentioned your father saying yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like are, are people is this a mad rush right now because people are rushing around trying to find their spot before the cliff,
1: right? It's it's no. like it's just too it's I, just too weird. I, I think it's just I think it's just it's the market dynamics. It's, you know, the circumstances, you know, like we can't possibly know all the circumstances that brought us here. Um, but I do think, you know, the historically and low interest rates has played a huge part. See what Fannie and Freddie did today? Probably not because
0: you shot a million videos, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Fannie and Freddie put a half a percent fee on refis now starting September one so an additional half a percent you know why because they're you know we've got these all these low crazy interest rates and they're trying to slow down the refi market i think
1: that could be good i think that so so if you can if you can refi and take cash out of your house um you know out of the equity at an extremely low rate or it's not as appealing anymore that might cause you to want to sell to get a different house right Mm -hmm. that's just one example i and just slowing down the market in general and by the way i don't want i don't want to create any like panic here either because i'm not saying we're at 2006 or 2007 like let me just say that too. We're not on the cliff per se the way we were because people have equity in their house that Correct. they didn't have before. K- I mean, there's a different, it's not apples to apples. KCM's done a great job educating
0: yes. the real estate industry. Yes. Over 50% of homeowners in this country have either 50% equity in their house or, or more, or 100%, you know, some yes. people have 100%. But 50% of homeowners have at least 50% equity in their homes. That was not the case. Back in 0607 07 eight, When things fell
1: apart, yeah, totally, yeah. yeah. So it's not apples to apples, but it's you know, ri- what's that saying? History doesn't repeat itself, but it it, it kind of rhymes or something like that. I've heard, and hmm. and I think and I think that to a certain extent, like like again, I'm not I'm not cynical. I'm not I'm just these are the things that as a business person you got to look for. You got to look for. As while by the way we're having like a record year we're growing it's exciting and And so how do you help your clients understand
0: that you know this market when we're when we're trying to learn the data as it comes in every single day Mm -hmm. how do you help clients feel confident in the decisions they're making right now
1: Mm. well it's kind of easy to fall back on our track record Mm -hmm. um You know, we like to say we've never left anybody homeless, but it really, the question goes back onto them. What is your motivation? Why are you doing this? Is it important? Is it that important to you? And if it is, if, if, if you have a need and we can fulfill it, we're going to fulfill it. And that's really what it comes down to with hopefully a five-star experience. Yeah. I mean, it sounds cliche or trite, but that's really like, that's our guiding principle that helps us get through the day because, um, yeah, I mean, listening, listening, listening and and if if that's what you want to do and you have your your reason for doing it I mean we definitely have the experience so did you know any of those agents in that Newsday study how close was that to your area oh that's my that's all of Long Island yeah yeah that's a, it, yeah. I don't know where to go with this <laughs> uh no I'll tell you like when when it came out I was a little dejected you know, even a little defensive, mm. um, because you didn't want that
0: picture to be painted. You know, so many great agents, you know, how your yeah. team operates, you know, the yeah. values that you guys hold and you didn't want that to be the picture of a long Island agent. I'm, I'm certain.
1: Yeah. But you know, life is funny. And, um, just recently, I don't know if you saw it, but, um, a young Remax agent posted something on Twitter that was just god-awful and uh kind of was as embarrassing or more so to long island in our profession from long island yeah okay i didn't i don't think i saw it (laughs) yeah what was it um it was uh you know it was related to uh the black Lives matter protests Mm -hmm. and he posted a video of himself with an ar-15 just not did he see the Newsday and investigation (sighs) you would
0: have thought so wow so just, a Remax, just, just probably stupid. probably somebody who hasn't sold a deal or something like that no. or, or is it it's somebody that actually produces
1: what no it was it was somebody that produces but no. honestly I, yeah i don't want to get too into the weeds with this particular person because i'll tell you one thing um i mean i don't know where his parents stand on this but it was their brokerage and i've done a lot of wow. deals with this person and um i, I you know if If um, if his parents are coming from the right place, and unfortunately, you know, your kids sometimes do stupid things, hopefully, like, hopefully their whole business isn't destroyed by, you know, the actions of the kid in one sense, you could say that you you might, you know, somebody less heartless might, I I shouldn't judge, but I mean, that's not a, (sighs) it's not a political post. It's a dumb post but it was
0: definitely a, it was definitely political. Well, political, yeah, because the whole thing's been politicized, but it's clearly just a bad value from that person, right? Yeah, because uh,
1: I mean the content was pretty bad.
0: Yeah. You know? Well, I mean kind of what you're describing there and and uh, you'll have to show me the post after the podcast, but <laughs> Yeah. What's your take on not to that extreme, but agents cuz we're getting close to November 3. Yeah. What's your take on agents doing any political posting. Maybe they're part oh, of a, a political committee or they're, you know, uh, friends with somebody who's running locally. What's your take on a real estate professional posting anything online that has to do with politics,
1: even at the lowest level? So yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Well, oh, man, there's so many, there's so many ways to go here. First of all, on an extremely local level, very often that doesn't have anything to do with with like red or blue. Right. Right. I like agree. At the extreme local level, if you're trying to get a park, you know, built that, you know, that may be like, cool, that might be something. And then the next part is I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you my, my personal philosophy for the world of, or like for the industry. And then I'll tell you the Lennar team way. Mm. okay. Um. For For my personal view, if you were asking me and you weren't on my team, I would say, that's an extremely personal decision. That's a business decision that you need to make for yourself. Um, but just be mindful that you are putting yourself potentially into a niche that is limiting your ability to be, you know, um, appealing to a wide variety of audience that exists in the communities that you see that you want to serve. Um, but I could you, someone could also argue, that maybe this is a niche that like I can build myself up in that is going to look at me like you know my branding is red, white, and blue for example, and not saying good or bad, but you know I you know I drive a Dodge Ram and you know, let's go and mm-hmm. and and um, you know and and there's enough of uh, of a following in the communities that you want to serve to say hey, that guy represents what I stand for, what I believe in, and I want him to be or she to be my realtor. Hey, that's fair. That could be a fair argument. Yeah, so in that
0: case, I guess it could come down to how big do you want to scale your business, right? If you're not into maybe widespread scale, then maybe looking at, and real estate agents have done this for years, yeah, I'm a divorce specialist. Yeah, waterfront specialist. Yeah, I'm a
1: luxury specialist. I'm a whatever specialist. I, I mean, look, I, I we read a lot of business books. I've read a lot of business books that talk about finding your niche, mm-hmm. and as that being a good thing, and not trying to be everything to all people. Mm-hmm. Now the Lennar team way is that's not our approach. Yeah, uh, we're getting too big. We're serving too many people. It would be cutting off our nose to spite our face. And the Lennar team way is, you know keep the bumper sticker off your car. Yeah. Don't post politically. Be, be, you know, be a
0: full-time real estate agent. If you're into the politics, go run, go Mm. do that as a profession. But, but here, right here at one and company for sure.
1: We're full-time real estate professionals. Let let me ask you this. I mean, what about the Facebook groups, the endless number of Facebook groups that are out there Where just politics on a daily basis just get injected into the argument. Yeah, it's insane. I tune out. I I just I cannot. I'm too busy. Well, I I follow (laughs) people. I see people
0: here in this in this town that we're sitting in that that are, you know, co brokers of ours. That are posting this stuff every day. I'm like, one, how do you even have time in this market <laughs> yeah.
1: to be posting about this? Kind and if of stuff? you're thinking about that, you know, the consumer has to be thinking about that. Well,
0: the consumer, whether they agree or disagree with the particular post, is thinking, Are you even full time? Are you like committed to selling homes? <laughs> yes. Probably not. It's probably. I'm probably gonna call the person. Uh, Like one in company that is just (laughs) posting real estate, that's educating consumers, Uh that's focused on the best marketing tactics to sell homes in this environment, right?
1: Yeah, well, the one in company way
0: is the Lenard team way. Yeah, I would, I agree with the Lenard team way for sure. (laughs) All right, couple quick questions, and then and then we're gonna wrap this thing up. Sure. Uh, Next five years, more agents or less
1: agents in the industry? (laughs) Um, I hope less. You never know but I really hope a lot less, many fewer agents. Yeah. But structurally, things would have to change significantly for us to see that. It, it can't be so easy to get your license and maintain it.
0: Uh, people online right now saying coaching should be free. You and I have always paid for coaching.
1: Really? I haven't seen that post. Yeah. Is, uh, that, so is what's, that
0: ridiculous or is there
1: some, some credibility to that? Um, so I was, I don't know how to answer that. I, uh, I was on the way from Long Island to Connecticut today. I was, uh, listening to the latest Tim Ferriss podcast who, mm. and he was interviewing Sia and like Sia is talking about her meditation person. And Tim Ferriss is like, I don't think you should have to pay for that. Or it might've been the other way around. Like Sia was saying that. No, yeah, no, it was Tim. And I was just like, oh. Like just through like a total like wet rag over what she was saying, I thought it was kind of funny. Oh, so what's the value proposition then? Like, yeah. what is what is the coaching company? How do they how do they stay afloat? Like, how do they continue to provide value? I don't know. I, I actually haven't been a part of this conversation because I've been too busy. But tell me. No, I, there's
0: there's just a you know there are voices online saying, oh, these paid coaches, they're not bringing you any value. Like, come. Join me on my free coaching experience, my free coaching, my free coaching.
1: Well, there's always an angle. Nothing's free.
0: Right. That's my point. (laughs) How do you, do you have to give up your email? Do you
1: consider giving up your email free? Uh, No. Correct. Of course not. Come on. No. Any, any time you give up information, you are, you know, you're, you're giving up value. You're giving something away for free that, that, um. Gosh, I, I don't know how they, I don't know how you determine this, but I heard it recently that um, your personal data is worth more than gold or something like that. But again, something is, something is digital. There's in the value others. there yeah. in your
0: personal data. I, yeah. I would agree. Uh, Rocket loans, just IPO'd. Are they the Zillow of mortgages? Uh,
1: I get, I don't know if I'm the right person to ask this question only because, unless the entire podcast audience exists on long island and i say that because the um the long island market is so unique they're they have a really hard time penetrating there and doing a good job mm-hmm. so it's actually if i i don't i do i they're not a player yet really um and, and they're gonna a lot of local yeah. relationships oh Like almost entirely local, if not like you, you know, you have your credit unions like teachers or Beth Page Federal Credit Union. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's all local. But then I was talking on our one of our mastermind calls, and if you recall, like I was like dismissive, you had a good experience, didn't you? No, Karen. Oh, Karen did. Karen Peters was like, Oh, they're great. We, you know, they do a great job. Um, that's just not the case because. I, can't, I don't want to get into the weeds with how transactions are done. The journey takes place on Long Island, but it's very different. And if you're in a call center in Detroit and you don't have any, you, it's hard. It mm-hmm. would be hard to do.
0: All right. I, I think that's good. That was just for me
1: for my stock tips. If, if that, <laughs> I, that rocket I, I would, um, you know, th- okay, I'll say this because I watch their ads and they've got pretty good marketing. They have a ton of marketing. Yeah. They're
0: everywhere. Everywhere.
1: And they own half of like the real estate in downtown Detroit from what I hear. Uh, yes. That might not be a good thing. Well, I don't know why
0: you don't see Detroit. Maybe long term. I'm just saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, now mean now having now downtown they've, space. They've IPO. They've got to answer every quarter. You know, I don't know if Detroit's going to be booming next quarter. Yeah. That bet
1: on it becoming like like, a like new hipster city. Yeah, When know. would it happen? <laughs>
0: right?
1: And when there's, when there's a safe, reliable vaccine that the, that the
0: public trusts. That's All right. Let's leave everybody with one thing. There's so many people that are always considering building a team. Number one thing, uh, anybody listening should consider, uh, before they would ever build a team teams, not team leader for that is not for everybody. So, if somebody's thinking about it, they've been dwelling about it what 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 one piece of advice would you give them, and then where could everybody connect with you and or your team?
1: okay so, the starting point for becoming a team leader very often it comes from comes from an erroneous place right <sighs> because it makes sense. And in a trajectory, if you like draw it out, you get to a certain point in your business where you can't just do the things yourself and you need help. And, you know, you want to have agents like that to to take maybe overflow, but, And, and so for a lot of people, I believe they get into like the team leader role, uh, for the right reasons they believe. But one of the things that I have discovered in this is that the um, the skill sets and the learning curve to being a good team leader, forget great, just a good, effective, profitable team leader is, is actually very different from being a good, profitable real estate agent mm-hmm. doing a lot of deals. Um, and if you're coming at it from an ego-based uh, position, you know, as Tom Ferry likes to call the uh, hero minion model, which you see a lot of. Yeah. Um, I, I would, I would say, I would caution you to take a step back, really evaluate the reasons why you want to be a team leader and then, and then really, really plan and be in it for the long haul and be ready to climb that very big mountain. And that's it. I mean... Nice. if they want to if you ever want to ask yourself i'm sure people can reach out to you they can reach out to me i'd be i'd be more than happy to walk them through it and like how we've gotten as far as we've gotten but, yeah it's not because it's business owner is what it is yes at that point. it's oh, business yeah. owner it's entrepreneur operator. ceo business owner yeah buck stops here and also leading from you know positivity, empathy, um, encouragement. And, you know, you know, like very often it gets boiled down to stick or carrot. Um, I think a great successful team that's has longevity. It's, it's, it's basically all carrot. Yeah.
0: All right. JD. Yep. This was awesome, man. We're going to link up all your people can find you in the links. We'll link it all up. Uh, long Island, obviously. So anybody yeah. knows somebody going to
1: long Island hit JD up. Yeah. And if you are an agent this, I mean, I'm so passionate about this. If you're an agent and you're on Long Island and, you know, like your broker or your team leader, he just doesn't feel like has the answers, man, we are, we're I'm so excited about where we're going. And I, and that excitement just means like, I just want to share it with more people that have that, that drive, that desire to climb their own mountain and maybe climb the mountain with us. Reach
0: out to JD. If you're in Long Island and you have a real estate license, reach out to JD now. Appreciate it, brother. This was fun. Always good to see you, brother. You too.